Welcome to this, the inaugural episode of the Ready Room Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Frederick, and today I'm with my partner in this endeavor, my longtime colleague, and my very dear friend, Lieutenant Colonel Keith Phillip. First off, a word about the name of our show. In military aviation, the Ready Room is where combat pre-flight briefings are conducted and tactics are discussed prior to a mission. But it's also the squadron living room where crews hang out between missions, swap stories with one another, and seek to gain knowledge and wisdom. Every individual in this capacity understands that the more they know, the stronger they become. The goal is continual improvement and to become better warriors, better leaders, and better people. We came up with the idea for this show about a year ago, and it has been a labor of love getting to this point as we both have to balance the same family, career, and everyday life commitments that most of you know all too well, along with our endeavors to bring this show to life. So we're both excited and grateful to finally be here with you today. And Keith and I want to thank you all from the bottom of our heart for being here. Welcome. Like myself, Keith is an attack helicopter pilot in the United States Marine Corps. A decorated combat veteran with multiple tours in both Iraq and Afghanistan, and an officer with over 20 years of service. We bring that specific background with us to our conversation today, and some of that will likely manifest in esoteric ways. For instance, we call ourselves by our pilot call signs. Uh, to me, Keith is Chunks, and he would never refer to me as Richard in anything other than a formal official capacity. To him, I'm simply Bartman. Today, he and I discuss our various motivations for wanting to do this podcast. We talk about what we hope to accomplish going forward, and we go over our mission statement and break down its specific elements and what they mean to us individually. So without further ado, I give you Keith Phillip. Well, Chunks, here we are. Bartman, day one. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, I know. We're, we're both excited and probably a little bit nervous. So, um, I yeah. feel more excited than nervous, but maybe a little of both. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I feel like right before a wrestling match, actually. So, um, I'm just so happy to be on the team. <laughs> we there's only two of us, so <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It was just an I before, and uh, but now it's a we. So yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I thought we would uh, start out with uh, with you going over some of uh, what your background is, uh, where you come from, you know, give the short version of uh, how you got to where you are right now, and uh, uh, yeah, I won't I won't cloud it with too much uh, with too much preface there. Yeah, okay. well let's let's welcome everybody to the ready room. Yeah, absolutely. Do that? Yep. I mean, let's tell them this is the ready room, the ready room brief. Here we are to uh, to engage in some great conversation. Open up topics, seek the truth, and just have a civil discourse. Yeah, that's what we're here for today. Uh, I guess we can get into that to, to to who I am. Uh, I'm Chunks. Keith Phillip is my name. Bart and I go back what ten, almost fifteen years now. Yeah, and probably you know <clears throat> I should say that uh, 
you, you knew my brother even before me. I so did. You, you've at least been with the family for over 20 years, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, listen, I have to tell the story about your brother. Yeah, because yeah, go for it. I met him at Weapons and Tactics Instructor Course. That's right. And so when you go to WTI, you start off on day one by taking an inventory exam. And it's a huge exam of all things minutia, marine aviation, tactical, everything. From weapon systems to enemy threat systems to who do you talk to when you fly from point A to point B. So, And part of that exam is you have to finish a 40-ouncer of King Cobra, which we could have a show on some of the guys that don't drink and the goings-on behind that because you have to finish it before you can turn your exam in. So me and your brother are sitting front left table, and it was just like a – I can't describe it – like two dogs, two wolves <laughs> – that were next to each other. It's like, I think he was looking at how fast I was progressing and I was looking at how fast he was progressing and the beers were going down and he was like, oh, I, wonder, I thought I'd take a three second sip. Oh, I'll take a three and a half second sip. So it's like this, but it was an instantaneous bond because yeah. he was a viper. I was a warrior. And so at the time they were sort of the two, honestly, the two best squadrons. Yeah. I'm sure that everybody else wouldn't agree with that, but that's sure as hell the way we thought about it. So it was like this bond because we were pushing each other. I mean, from the first minute we laid eyes on each other, yeah. man. And yeah. so fast forward then to where we are today, and I will tell you, and you, and you know this already, your brother is one of my most respected and loved comrades in arms yeah. for my time in the Marine Corps. I mean, what what a great human being. What else can you say about him, man? He's just he's just a great human being. Compassion. Yeah. Justice, fairness, wisdom. I love the guy. Bottom line. So I can't I can't talk about your brother without telling that story from WTI because yeah, no, it still makes me laugh. Yeah, well, you I, that's a story I've actually heard, and uh, you're right. I, every time I hear it, I just smile because I can see you guys sitting there. Like, <laughs> oh, really? No, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Warriors versus Vipers. Yeah. The fight goes on. Anyway, uh, so that was 2000. Uh, that was a couple years into my career and much has transpired between then and now, uh, you know, seven deployments total, five to the war, Afghanistan, four to Iraq. Just thankful to be here with my limbs and my eyeballs, honestly. And, uh, I'm even happier to be here with you. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, so the, uh, the deployments, uh, chunks, you've been, and I should say right now that we're uh, we're using our call signs. <laughs> so Keith and I uh, are, as I've mentioned before, we're uh, Marine Corps aviators. We go by call signs. So you won't hear us say Keith or Richard. That that would imply that we were angry with each other. <laughs> <laughs> kind so of like when your kinda, dad called yes, first. Yes, exactly. Name well, listen, middle. Keith. Um, <laughs> you would literally probably like eyebrows would come up. Like, yeah. What did I do? What did I do now? <laughs> Again? Yeah. So I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah. Um, but so listen, Chunks, I, but yeah, you're, you're, there's no uh, Mavericks out there, too, by the way. No, Never no. Never met a Maverick or a nope. nice man. No, yeah. I met a shit bitch once. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I met a turd. I, I, met, I met him, too. I remember thinking, wow, <laughs> that's uh, the, the skid community is uh, is evil. <laughs> yeah, I met a turd along the way. A couple of them, in fact. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation is how guys get call signs. Yeah. You're right. There's none of that uh, Top Gun cool stuff. It's, yeah. it's always something that uh, sounds that makes you sound dumb. <laughs> Or they, they seek out your worst attribute, and that's, that's right. what they give you the call sign for. So. And it's uncanny their ability to get into one or two syllables yeah. so you can use it on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. And the creativity that goes into it is amazing. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, your your combat experience is uh, really. Uh, I don't know of anyone who has uh, that amount of deployments, combat experience. Uh, so and and you you know you and I have talked. Uh, my combat experience is uh, is not uh, as extensive as yours, but I will say that um, in my time flying the Cobra, I I never met a guy who uh, was more tactically sound than yourself. Um, your briefings, your planning, the ability to cut through uh, all of the BS that goes with that that planning checklist. And I know that some of what we're talking about is esoteric uh, to some listeners, but the bottom line is uh, as attack helicopter pilots, we put together these uh, incredibly, uh, they can be incredibly detailed um, uh, tactical mission briefings. And uh, a lot of times I, I see guys that are just, you know, checking boxes and writing things that are sort of the standard verbiage instead of doing what the brief was intended to, which is to um, give all of the flight crews involved the, um, the, the information they need in order to succeed on a mission. And I, I just, your briefings, everything, I, I just thought, yeah, uh, this is a guy that I admire um, for your ability to cut through all that. And, and frankly, you came across uh, from the first time I met you as a guy that literally was, um, uh, well, I don't want to say a killer, that's a bad way to say it, but efficient at your job in a way that was uh, admirable to me and one that I wanted to emulate and probably fell way, I know I fell way short of, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But I, I can say that um, that is one of the things that attracted me, attracted me to you right off the bat and why we became friends because I, I just thought this is a guy that is not playing games. He just knows exactly what has, has to happen. And that led to us having all these discussions um, all the time and uh, over beers sometimes, uh, sometimes not. Just, uh, but, uh, you know, as we became better friends, I just thought, man, here's a guy that really is um, – earnest about all of his dealings with everybody and that i was just like yeah and so when we i think i don't remember when it was when we started to have the idea for this um podcast but i remember thinking you know we we're, we're having one of our conversations and i was like we should do this yeah you know, we should just record this probably a year ago now right? yeah and i don't even think i was even aware of podcasting or at least maybe i was but i wasn't it didn't seem like something i was able to do uh, and as I kind of looked into it, I was like, I, I remember saying, we should do this. And you were like, yeah, I'd be on board. And I, I think you probably thought it was an afterthought, like, yeah, okay, it sounds like a – and then I just kept in the background, kept digging into this. And that's how we got here because I was like, okay. And I started doing all this research and getting some gear and putting together, you know, and getting a website and searching out um, – uh, this uh, studio and meeting Ming, and that was all very organic how it happened, and and so. Well, listen from man, from the mandolin to your fathering, which is excellent and above reproach. I've never thought anything you've said was an afterthought, man. Never. <laughs> so, I knew the idea had to come to fruition somehow. But I, I no so way, hope I that, that my wife hears this. <laughs> <laughs> well, because. listen for, for the terrorists out there that are listening. Yeah. I want to correct one thing. I am a killer because yeah. if you're a terrorist, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> Just so that's on tape. Absolutely. The, um, I, I would say then that it, it, basically the enemy of the Marine Corps is 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 your enemy. Uh, yeah. When the country calls and says go do this, that's what you do. Um. And uh, and I don't I never thought there was much emotion behind it other than the emotion of I have a job to do and this is how I do it and and that to me is good too. 
I felt it's a lot of passion chasing those people around those desolate countries. Though, yeah. I will tell you that. Yeah. Well, that's that's good because uh, you needed it. And there's certainly that edge that has to happen, I know. So, and One thing, too, I think people need to understand in regards to the way we do plan and brief. Yeah. When you're a skid pilot, which is a Cobra and a Huey, and they exist together, one carries troops and guns, and then we just carry guns and rockets. They work together, and they make a great team. But we will literally plan six or eight hours for a two-hour flight that will then come back and debrief for a minimum of an hour, if not two, and sometimes three. So we are dedicated to our craft as aviators and tactic tacticians, uh, so much so that we will criticize font size and uh, layout of the slide because so we see perfection every time we hit the starters, and uh, and we don't we don't josh around, man. We get out there and we do it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's imp- so 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 that the listener understands <laughs> why we're so off our rocker in the middle of this thing. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Right yeah, there. you're it's right. Like dedication well, we to we, our we probably came about at we probably came at this with much less of that <laughs> <laughs> sort of ethos, right? Because I feel like we're just running into a door here. Well, like I don't you know, know man, when they see our mission. Yeah, well, we do have a mission statement. <laughs> I, I at least went that far, right? So, so how did you know what? Um, we, you know, we both were in the Marine Corps for over 20 years. We've both done combat tours. How did you get there? What was your background in terms of coming through the Marine Corps? And, and really, I don't even think you've ever told me your whole story on this one, to tell you the truth. So. Well, I think um, what's funny, Bartman, is that people call me an adrenaline junkie because my other jobs outside of the Marine Corps um, involve a certain level of danger and a certain level of technical expertise that's required. And that's where I really focus. So the, te- the technical expertise that leads to your success is what I really thrive on. So I'm, I'm not an adrenaline junkie at all. But I love to go to a job where every day has meaning and you can't suck and be good at it. You have to know what you're doing because the consequences thereafter are poor if you, if you mess up. And I like that. Yeah. I like that about my job. So – as far as flying in the Marine Corps, it's an interesting tale, I think. Most people maybe might not. But um, my earliest remembrances were of it, this Air Force commercial on TV. And all I remember of it was that there were a line of T-38s on the flight line in the morning. But that image is burned in my head. And I knew that I wanted to fly since I was this tall, on the table this tall. So, um, <clears throat> And that propelled me forward uh, through college. I mean – Every day of my life as a child, if anyone asked what I wanted to do, it was to be a fighter pilot. And then Airwolf came out, so I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. That was a great show. I watch that show and snake it all the time, by the way, even if it's in Spanish. (laughs) Um, So then Airwolf was the helicopter phase. Then, of course, Top Gun. I'm dating myself, but I think my gray hair probably does a better job than that. But um, kind of back to fighters. Then I went, and then I was blessed enough to – well, let me back up, I guess, a little bit. Because in high school, I started riding BMX bikes, and I spent lots of time doing it. And I got good at it and got sponsored, but what suffered was my academic progress. So um, I didn't actually make the grade to get any kind of scholarship or any kind of uh, way into the military, except for one thing. I don't quit. So I dug up this thing called the college program for NROTC where you can go and participate. You just have to eat all the bill for yourself. And once I got into that, man, I knew I was on the precipice of achieving what I wanted. It was – I could just feel being there. I would visualize myself going to flight school. And so that first year, I really, for the first time in my life, <laughs> applied myself academically and, and did well enough to get a scholarship, a three-year scholarship. <clears throat> so then 
uh, between getting the scholarship and the original turndown, I actually joined the Marine Corps as a delayed entry pulley with the intent of becoming a weather observer. And I wanted to be a weather observer because I wanted to talk to pilots. And I knew that would be a way to at least be in the community and move in that direction. Well, when I joined the delayed entry program, something happened to me, man. I fell in love with the Marine Corps. The ethos that you're talking about was it just fit me. It's never say die. We get the we get the cheapest stuff and we do the job the best. That was that was how I was put together. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, at this point in my life with all the trials and tribulations that we're all going through, people always uh point to the Marine Corps and say, You have a Marine Corps way of thinking about things and I say, No, no. No, the Marine Corps did not make me the man I am. The man I am made me a better Marine. And so, uh, you know, I'm a type A kind of, as we've already established, probably anal retentive, most people would say, who I've given my two-hour debriefs to. But um, that really grabbed me and really pulled me in, being around Marines, all like-minded, mission-focused, like you said, cutting through the BS and getting down to the quick of the matter. And I knew that's where I needed to be. And then on top of it, the blessing was they had a guaranteed flight program. So at the three-year mark when I got picked up for my scholarship, I knew if I didn't blow it by boozing too much or getting crappy grades that I'd go to flight school. So I kept myself on the straight and narrow and uh, a significant blessing by God, I I stayed healthy and went to flight school. And then the next hurdle was, all right, what am I going to fly? So – Top Gun generation, everybody wants to fly Hornets. I get to flight school. You know the F-18 Hornet. I get to flight school and I go, man, I kind of like helicopters though. So I went over to Whiting South to jump in a H-57 on a maintenance ride. Yeah. We picked up, backed out of the spot, pedal turned to the left. Weather recall, backed up, pedal turned to the right, landed on the spot. I go, that's for me, buddy. <laughs> we just flew backwards. This is what I want. And so it came time to select out of T-34s. And, I, you know, you always do your last flight with a CO. So we're walking back to the hangar. He goes, so what are you going to put on your selection card? And I go, you know, sir, I'm not really sure yet. He goes, nothing like waiting until the last minute, huh? And then I go, you know what, sir? I think I'm going to put four H's on there because there was a uh, – maybe I recall it wrong. And now it's going to the public record, so I don't want to say it wrong. But pretty sure there was a jet draft on. And it was like, you know, the NSS. I kind of forget all the details. But the long story short sure. was – they wanted jet guys, and I'm like, yeah, four H's, man, on my selection card. After that, you can give me what you want. And then I was blessed enough to to get Cobras a week I selected, which is really what I wanted to fly. So, And then the rest is history, as you know. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to what you said, which is just amazing to me, Junks, which is the Marine Corps didn't make me who I am. Who I am – was what made me a great Marine. and I, I, had, I wouldn't say great Marine. I just say Oh, well, I would, though, Marine. and I'm saying it. Uh, so uh, I would uh, – it's just as amazing to me because you're right. I can see that, and it, it's the exact same reason that I was not a great Marine. Um, I'm Which great. I dispute. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm good. I think I have talents in a lot of spots, but in being a, killer, Bart, in, in being a Marine officer and the and all of and the and all that encompasses, I feel like I was probably out of my personal element. And we've talked about that, uh, but you definitely, the, the Marine Corps was your element. I would think the same about the uh, about your other uh, jobs as well. So, yeah, were you? Uh, I, were you always like that? Like when you were doing BMX or when it came to athletics or other things, were you always sort of that mission guy? Yeah. I don't know that I've got a middle mode. It's all or nothing. And I can do nothing very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when I put my mind to something, man, I, I don't know how to half step. I don't. 
Yeah. And it's it's a blessing and a curse all in one, I suppose. But you know what? What uh, I watched that uh, the movie about the Navy SEAL. What was that movie? The guy that got captured, the lone survivor. Okay, yeah. And they do that oh, little ditty you know, in, the, in their ready that, room. By the way, that's a great movie. I know. But they do the ditty in the ready room, and they go, "Anything worth doing is worth overdoing." Yeah, well, that's kind of how I roll, I guess. <clears throat> that yeah, that is so funny, um, uh, and it fits. You're right; it just fits so well because, frankly, I for, for me, I would much rather um, philosophize about things than uh, you know put things down on paper and go for. Uh, I'll, I'll sit and discuss the uh, vagaries and nuance of things forever which is part of the reason why i'm here oh me too um because that's just what i like to do but here's the thing barman that makes you so much better of a warrior brother i mean that that was the part that because to me when you say i focus in on the tactical part of it and this is and this is you it's like this what are we doing some guy wakes up in the morning eats his wheaties puts on his strappy sandals and his man dress grabs his AK-47 and walks out the door. Why? Because he wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. Why? That why, that litany of reasons that bring him to that point in his life where he's willing to stand in the street like that guy did in Fallujah, put a metal frame on his head with four rockets in it in the middle of a maelstrom of small arms fire from a rifle company and two attack aircraft and stand there and point that thing up at me. Now, he disappeared in a flash. I don't know what happened to him. I'm sure his feet were still in the middle of the road. But I was incredulous at the the balls that that guy had. Yeah. And I said, these guys don't shoot very good, but they got some steel balls. Chunks, did I ever tell you my, what my dad said about the uh, NBA? He, he said the exact same thing. He, he um, When he talked about Vietnam, and it was very rare, he, he said, uh, and, and I should say for everybody out there, my, my father was a career Marine Corps infantry officer. He did two tours in Vietnam. Um, he uh, he and Bart said that, won't sing his father's praises, but I met him on two occasions, and uh, he's one of the finest people I've ever met. Uh, you can uh, just tell that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'll correct you on one thing. I will sing my father's praises all Good. day uh, to the Good. extent that it would take over this podcast. So <laughs> I, that's why I kind of went. Maybe in we that. should just do that one day. Uh, well, maybe he we deserves can, it because I, I actually have to show you something. Yeah. Um, but that's another topic altogether. But he said the same thing. Uh, he said the NBA were. Uh, incredibly bad soldiers like really really bad he's like but their zeal was unmatched yeah he was like we they outnumbered us we would he didn't say mow them down but he said we would beat them all day long and they would keep 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 coming and he's like that 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 zeal is something you just can't beat it's yeah. that it's that idea that i am fighting for something that is bigger than what i am and i'm just going to do it so well that's the part of the of the tactical equation that i think we often lose is the intellectualizing of it and so when you think to that level you can you can pick your tactics appropriately because there's no theory behind it you're you're making an insight into what's in another man's mind and that man's trying to kill you and so you're just picking apart his defenses yeah and I've always enjoyed that part of it and enjoyed conveying that part of it as an instructor because so much of what we do because we're cranking out X's and we're giving guys training is you get to the wave tops and then you leave it to them to draw those conclusions with what? Experience. So if I can get to that level beforehand and it's all theory, right, until it happens. But I That's can tell you this. When I got true. to combat on the first night, I remember distinctly thinking to myself, tactics. 
All right, is what I'm doing right now going to get my ass shot off? Yes or no? If it was yes, I didn't do it anymore. I just didn't do it because it was dumb. That's something you've said a couple times, Chunks. And as a matter of fact, before we were, um, when we had just met, you said something <clears throat> that exact same thing. Tactics is, am I, is this going to get me and my crew killed? If if yes, then stop doing it. Yeah. And I remember thinking that's that's a, a huge part of, of what tactics is, but you won't find that definition in the books. So. No, we get lost in it sometimes yeah, yeah. and the geekery of it. And I'm just like, I never, I never, and that's not that I didn't buy into it. That's not the right word because the doctrine is the doctrine. To deviate from it effectively, you got to know what it is, and yeah. you have to know where it applies. But it's a wave top, almost cookie cutter approach. That when you're talking about a man who's trying to kill you, he's not living by doctrine; he's just trying to get things done. Yeah, that's right. You know, so what? Given that you are that way, how do you how do you feel like that's gonna you're gonna approach the podcast with that mentality? Well, I could tell you this, Bartman. Um, and I thought about this on the way over. How can I get better for this? Because like you, I came today with uh, no expectation yeah, other yeah. than just being here and, and enjoying the hell out of it, which so far, so good. Yeah. But, um, well, this is what we do all the time, Chunks, naturally. Well, I, yeah, we just start right, talking. Exactly. And that's why, that's why I said let's do this. So. Right. But, and, and, <laughs> but, but honestly, I listened to you and Ming on yeah. the trial run, yeah. and I thought, these guys know a lot about a lot, man. And I don't, I don't know a lot about a lot. And I gotta, I gotta get better. So I, here, I'm gonna open up my aperture. I mean, first of all, I want a Ming Dynasty because when he described that drink to me, I'm like, uh, why was I not there? Yeah, so disappointed I didn't get one. Yeah, that part of the conversation, I was like, man, yeah, I want to do that. That's cool. <laughs> the, the best part was, uh, was when he, when he mentioned the, uh, the place in Atlanta. Yeah. To me, I was, yeah, my, the red my phone mind was, yes, the red phone. I, was I like, don't. When are we going? Yeah. I, mean, I, let's, <laughs> I, I can bang off work. I'm, that was Friday, worth I the podcast the right there. I was like, yeah. oh wow, really? Yeah. I got to get that number by the man, by the way, man. But, um. So no, I, I, for me, and it's right in our mission statement, man. Yeah, it's right in our mission. Well, statement. let's let's Exam- let's let's go to. You said you wanted to read the mission statement, so let's. Re- I don't want to steal your thunder. Well, no, no, it's all okay. Thing. Well, here I'll read it then, and yeah. we'll uh, and we'll break it because I I, I really like what uh, what we have here as a mission statement. But so the mission of uh, of the ready room and what we're doing with all of this is uh, is that we seek to gain strength and wisdom. By examining and challenging our beliefs, to search for truth, to learn everything we can from those who know more than us, to engage in earnest discussion on topics great and small, to better ourselves and bring others along for the ride, to further civil disco- uh, to further civil discourse, and to explore the world, and in the process build lasting friendships. So I don't think it gets much better than no, that. No, yeah, I, I like what it has, what we have there, and how we approach that mission statement is going to be different according to our own uh, 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 personalities. So, well, for me, Bartman, to answer the question you posed to yeah. me, I, I feel engaged in this now. I feel an obligation to learn about the things I've always wanted to learn about. And and so much of the time at the trial room was spent on being a bartender, which that is a thing that I've always said, man, just learn how to make a few drinks. Every guy should know that, that right? That's right. Every guy used to know that. And now what, what do we do? Every, not, not that. I don't know what we do. I guess I could tell you all about Fortnite from watching my boy we, play. We, but we, we pour Coke into some Jim Beam. Yeah, and we say, right. Hey, I made Jack a drink. Coke, right? yeah. like, all right. Well, yeah. not really, but yeah, okay. Yeah, right. So I, I want to open up my aperture to the to the things that the world offers, yeah. and you know, and as part of the 
you know, the background story that we're not going to talk about today, all the other things going on, this yeah. is a perfect time to realign in that direction, man. I thought that same thing, Chunks. So I was like, yeah, Chunks has, Chunks has got to get into this. Yeah. We, we got to, we got to focus on this as something that is good for, for both of us. Well, I'll be honest with you, Bart, man. My goal is to be as worldly as you are, <laughs> as well read and as well spoken and as well listened and as well educated about things men. Well, and manliness and gentlemanliness. I appreciate that. I, I feel very much like I'm deficient in those things, but I guess that's why we're here. And so if we were to break oh, that yeah, down, I, I mean, I, so the first thing I said was to gain strength and wisdom. Well, we're, we're all, if we're men, we're, we're trying to do that, right? Uh, or at least we should be. Um, if you're not, if you've decided that you've gotten to a certain point in life where there is, uh, where you just don't bother to learn or read serious nonfiction anymore uh, and, and, you know, and that doesn't appeal to you because in your particular lane, it just isn't going to apply. Well, then I, I think you've probably started your uh, slide towards death. Um, I think you have too. Yep. So uh, we have to keep our minds challenged uh, all the time. Uh, but I think the big, the, the one thing that I said right off of that was to uh, to challenge our beliefs. Yeah. And so for me, I, I know that that is difficult. Uh, it's it's probably difficult for everybody. Oh, yeah. You just, see it in the world every day. Yeah, exactly. Just to be able to say to yourself, if if you're if you look in the mirror and say, I'm going to challenge what I believe, you are probably um, more self-aware and more intellectually honest than I would say 99% yeah. of the population. So, so here is a revelation I've had in the last month. Yeah. And I've shared it with the guy that rides on the engine with me, who is one of the greatest human beings ever. Just a great dude, big as an ox, can rip a door off its hinges, which is why I like to be on the engine with him. But he's also a great mind, and he's, got, he's a great heart. And he's an infantryman with many tours, and combat wounded, and struck by lightning and training. Like, But we, we came to the conclusion that candor... And uh, self-awareness and uh, being critical of yourself and self-improvement are attributes that, that most people don't find appealing. Yeah, So absolutely. through all the things that are off to the side that we're not going to talk about, the, it, it, I've learned that just going down that road of telling the truth and owning what you do or don't do is something that people can't get to, man. And so we've realized actually what a disadvantage it can be. To try to function in the real world when you can look a person in the eye and go, what is your deal, man? Yeah. What about this? Yep. This or, or hey, listen, I'm, I goon that and then not have it be something that defines you because you're clearly ready to move past it and grow and learn from it by challenging your beliefs and assimilating new data. But some people just can't give that to you. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Well, what you just, one of the things <clears throat> you just said there was, uh, I, you know, I goon that. The idea of owning up that, hey, I, I messed up there. Um, it's powerful, I'm, though, man. I'm sorry. Let's move forward. It's powerful. It is. It's super powerful. And it's not easy to do. Uh, it's easier for some people. Uh, there are certain personalities, I think, that are, that are much more. But uh, for, for guys like us that are type A, it's it's definitely difficult when you when you mess something up to say, hey, I, I messed up. The Marine Corps is not very uh, – they, they don't really – if you say, hey, I messed up, most of the time they're just like, yeah, 
yeah, you did. <laughs> and they're not happy and there is no, you know, they don't want to see it. They're just like, yeah. So <clears throat> don't do it again. Uh, I, I would say that along with owning up. I hope we get the meme in today. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Lance Corporal meme. <laughs> I hope we can There's get that, that in. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even know how to describe that uh, adequately on mic. But so, um, no, what I was going to say is along with saying that. So I guess what I'm getting at is because I think the Marine Corps would. Is bad, not just the Marine Corps. I shouldn't say that because I'm just talking about our experience, you know. But I would say that bureaucracies in general, uh, organizations that have uh, that kind of uh, ethos of, uh, of SOPs that, and, and a way of doing things are bad when someone says, hey, I messed up at, at acknowledging that, okay, there's still a human element here instead of just being like, yeah, okay, you know, uh, bad uh, – uh, fitness report or whatever they might call it, you know, personnel report or something like that. And, and oh, yeah, you're probably not going to get promoted. Well, so along with the idea of saying I've given something up is the idea that other people have to go, they have to recognize that for someone to do that, that, that almost should be a plus on a, yeah. on a personnel type sure. report. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, that is important. And we don't do that. We don't do that very well either. So, Yep, we have to, you know, the idea, hey, I gooned it up and I'm, I'm going to move forward and grow from that. And the idea that other people should be able to recognize when someone says, hey, mea culpa, you know, how do I learn? And go, oh, okay. This Come guy, on over here, young buck. Yeah, this, is, this, is, <clears throat> this person is willing to, uh, to, to learn from that. So, and, and well, s- I think you said the key word is that bureaucracies mm-hmm. don't pay attention to those things. And the Marine Corps certainly is a bureaucracy, but it's made up of Marines. And so the variability between excellent and not excellent is very large, I would say. But I, I think institutionally we're we're fairly proficient at owning some of that. I mean we, we espouse ourselves as the best leaders in the world and we start our Marines young in that endeavor. I mean you – there's two Marines together. One of them's in charge and yeah. they all know it, PFC on up. So – whether or not they adopt that on a personal level is one thing, but they, if they're provided the opportunity to do that, and so the best Marines are the ones that do, and then they take care of their guys that way. And sometimes that puts them at the fringe, which is you know because we are a bureaucracy. But uh, shoot, man, they're they're Marines out there doing it every day, and my hat's off to them because they're just taking care of their guys and they're just doing it right. They're just good men. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so that's why I guess uh, that is one of those things that I would say that. You know, for for anything I was good at in the Marine Corps, one thing I was bad at was that I I, I have a very egalitarian sort of mindset. Yeah, and that is that is not uh, a military organization's uh, modus operandi, See, and that's but, fine. This but, is where we part company, though, Bart, yeah. man. Because I think I think when you get over there, where people shoot at you, and Everyone knows bullshit when they hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Everyone does. Yeah. And and when you're back in the rear and your boots are polished and that's what people are judging you on, you just you suck it up. And that's why so many guys get bitter. But when you get over there, it's almost freeing. Yeah, because the absolutely. Idiots, they just they got they got to melt yep, away because yep. if they don't, people will get hurt. Yeah. So the, this, I was it, amazed at their tenacity <clears throat> in trying over there. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You know, PowerPoint on uh, March 18th. Yeah. Like man, what are you doing? Like, just put it away. I remember one guy that was one of my bosses that, well, that's a whole other long tale we could tell later. But the long story short is his boss, who really was a fan of mine, 
completely grabbed me and pulled me forward and left that other guy that he didn't know where I was for three days, which wasn't necessarily good. But I'll tell you where I was, dropping bombs on people. Yeah. And, and so for me, Bart, man, it's like uh, owning on to that ethos, grabbing that ethos and making it your own is the important thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. And challenging well, your beliefs and getting better. Yep. So that challenge in our our beliefs part of the statement is huge to me because that's what I want, and and that goes to the next part of the statement or one of the the other parts, which is to learn what we can from those who know more than us. Yeah. Because when it comes to challenging your beliefs, you're not going to be able to do that if you're not seeking out the knowledge. Of course, you know we want to be well read. It's hard to do when you've got a job and you're you know in a commute and all that. Audible, you know, and podcasting has been a great thing for me, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think seeking people, and and so the whole part, the whole point of this podcast is it's going to be an interview based podcast. We're going to try and get people to come on and talk to us about what they do. And uh, you and I talked about it. I mean, if, if if the guys, if we can find a guy who's an expert on scotch, we'll do it, right? And we'll talk to him yeah. about scotch because you know what? I've I've never been able to get into scotch, and I don't, you know, I'm like, what am I looking for here? What so am I missing? Like this guy I ride with on the engine. I'm just checking off another thing. Yeah. I mean, the guy knows about booze. Yeah, I mean that kind of stuff. It's Figure. like. And if it's about uh, artificial general intelligence and what that means for us as a human race going forward, well, then absolutely. You know, those those kind of big high-level conversations uh, I want to have as much as I can. And we've and how uh, to build a Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which I think you can probably do now. So, uh, so yeah. That, I mean that 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 part of it for me, and and because we because we enjoy this this back and forth banter um there are many people that don't enjoy that and i've come across a, uh, so many people i've met along my walk have i'll sit down i'll, I'll be like wow you know I'm, i start to talk to them you're fascinating you know and but they don't have that they don't yeah. want that it's like they'll look at you like okay why, why are we talking still why are, <laughs> what are we doing here you who know and are it's, you? yeah like i would be that guy who would call it to me all the time yeah actually <laughs> I would be that guy who would call, you know, and, and want to talk for a while, like, you know, and, and where, where his buddy would be like, why are we talking? What, what's going on here? You know, so I, I think men in general are worse at that than, than women. Uh, obviously, that's not true across the board, but in general, men are bad, I think, at, at interpersonal communication. Yeah, man. And um, it's, it, the technology today makes it worse. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm amazed, Bart, sometimes I'll do an experiment where I'll just take my phone. And put it in my back pocket yep. and sit when I'm somewhere amongst people. And then I'll take an inventory of who else is not looking at their phone. And I, to, to, a, to a situation, oftentimes I'm the only yeah. one without yeah. my face in my phone. Yep. It is amazing. At the airport. It, at the airport when you're going from one gate to the other, everyone is on their phone. Yeah. Now, look, the phone is a great tool when you're traveling, man. You can do everything on it if, you, if you're – if you're a novice traveler or don't know that, get every app that you can get because they'll all get you there easily. Uh, and when the changes happen, they're fantastic. But we miss the connection sometimes, man. We miss it. And you ever see Patch Adams, that movie Patch Adams? No. I know, I know what you're talking I about, but no. Movie. It's kind of corny now. As I'm older, I'm like, yeah, it's really kind of uh, corny He was the, uh, the doctor who used uh, humor um, as a medicine. Yeah. That's right, yeah. But he also – drove to make that connection yes in situ he forced himself into situations that were awkward to make that connection and i thought i'd like to do that i'd like to get, stand close to people or look at them and yeah. you know engage them in a way that's unusual because it, because i think you, that connection is important 
And I was listening to you and Ming from the first trial talk about happiness as a life extension device. Yeah, man, the connection is everything. That's that's something that I'd like to have. Uh, I'd like to find someone who's sort of a happiness expert who studies that from a psychological standpoint and have them on because I've listened to as many podcasts as I can about happiness, and we've talked about this. So this is a big part of what we're doing. Uh, uh, there's a uh, maybe we can get Dennis Prager who runs the Happiness Hour. On oh yeah, talk yeah. Show. I've seen uh, that would be I awesome. If he would do that. <laughs> he might. That guy's. I bet you he's in. He's probably in demand. But yes, um, I thought we knew somebody that knew him. Well, we'll have to reach out then. I would. I would love to. <clears throat> yeah, if, this, if it was if, if 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 I was Dave Rubin right now, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll make that happen, no problem. <laughs> so, so. One day, but uh, yeah, one day. We're That's right. We're, this is a small step. This is where it begins. But uh, yeah, because that happiness <clears throat> thing, we have talked about this a, a, a couple times now, more than a couple chunks. Which is that um, there's a lot that can you, you can get caught up in anger. Um, I do it. I know you've said that you struggle with that too. I think there are uh, there are so many guys out there. I shouldn't say guys. There are so many people out there that struggle with that, with an anger about the day to day stuff, and they hold on to it. Yeah. And it builds up, you know, anger about you know politics, anger about their job, anger about their marriage, anger about this, that, traffic, whatever it happens to be. And, and usually, it's more than one source, right? It's everything. And you hold on to that, and it just eats you up. And and the one thing I've kind of been trying to do, especially since I retired from the Marine Corps, is I've been looking at what makes people happy. And I've been listening to every podcast I can about this, and it's 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 pretty amazing. They say the same things. It's it's very much about um, having a passion, having great interpersonal relationships, and putting those above making money and and basically you know cultivating those things at the expense of all the other stuff yeah um you know i i, I i've thrown around that 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 figure that salary figure that they've kind of said it's right around seventy five thousand dollars up to about ninety thousand dollars basically when you adjust for currency uh, this isn't just american dollars but adjusted for currency Throughout the world, anything over ninety thousand dollars is uh, at the expense that comes at the expense of your family, friends, loved ones, passion, things you're passionate about, hobbies, is all uh, diminishing returns. Heck yeah, man! I'm living that dream. Yeah, right now. exactly. And so, I, to me, I, I, I'm always thinking how, you know, how can I live a happier life? How can I be more mindful of the things I'm angry about? How can I be in the moment and say? Okay, is this something I'm going to be angry about? You know, a half an hour from now. If not, observe it and let it go. Dude, I'll tell you, my deacon just gave me a great prayer because, <clears throat> you know, I'm a Catholic. Yeah, a, a trying Catholic. Yeah, maybe. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so much of how you learn to pray when you're young is about asking for something, and so much, so me- so much of the motivation to pray is to get something. Sure. And through this process that I've been going through lately, um, I've been doing that. And, and it never really felt right. But he gave me this prayer bar, man, and it was just sit there quiet and say, show me the way, God, and not ask for a darn thing. Yeah. And I will tell you that has brought me solace in the trying moments that I've been having, man. It's just – it's been fantastic. Yeah. Because it's not – it's not a prayer where you go, oh, please give me this. <clears throat> that implies an obligation, you know, or like a you dive into a fighting hole in the middle of firefighting. If you just get me out of this, I promise I'll be good. Like, 
it's none of that, man. It's yeah. just quiet, calm. God, show me your way. Yeah. I know this is not for me to own. Tell me how to get there. Yep. Show me the way. And, and in that way, you're <laughs> mindful of everything that happens to you. Yeah. Um, so, and I would, that, that is a great, and I would say that that crosses boundaries of, of all religions, which is, you know, of course, our choices have consequences. We make choices. We we obviously have desires. Once that's human. On the other hand, um, uh, there's a quote I'll paraphrase. It, it's something like, "Hey, it, uh, your life is what it is. It it's not what it was. It's not what you wanted. It may not be what you hoped for. Um, but but it is right now what it is, and that is you." Be mindful of that. And so you're right. And in going, if you look at it in a, hey, you know, God, show me the way instead of give me this, then you can be mindful of whatever happens to you being something like, ah, okay, this is something else. And and I'm going to deal with that. Uh, yeah, because I can't control where it goes. Yeah, exactly. Especially those things you can't control. Which I think right? it's a huge root of the anger that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, something happens to you that you, you, you can't, it's out of your control and it, and it, uh, and you act as if it's been a personal front to you instead of something that just occurred, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I've been trying to be mindful of that as well. So, You know what I wanted to talk about from the mission statement? Yeah, go for it. This bullet, and it might be the one small contribution I made to this thing, to further the civil discourse. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because it just doesn't exist very much anymore, except – not even ironically, this is where you find it in yes, a podcast. That's where it. You have these truth seekers yep. who have the ability to disagree with someone and not want to kick the crap out of them. What yeah. a novel concept that is. I mean, I can't even watch the news anymore, it's man. It's so hard. I'm so done with it. Yeah. But I love these podcasts where you get these brilliant minds or not so brilliant minds. Who cares, man? Yeah. Come on down. Let's have the conversation. We're happy you're here. I don't like it if. If you have views that are different than mine, but I'm I'm all ears, buddy. Because why is that? I want to challenge and ex- uh, examining and challenging our own belief systems. These are the people that come to podcasts. That's why I love them. That's right. That's why yeah. I'm so excited to be part of it. I'm glad you brought that up because you, you're right. You said, "Hey, improve civil discourse," and I was like, "Yeah, at, that's exactly right." Um, so, through earnest discussion, meaning we come at it from an honest uh, perspective. And and doing it in a civil manner, then that's how we learn, and it's also how we uh, engage and and maybe come to some shared understanding with those who, who think differently than us. And I think that's the most important yeah. thing of all of it. But you are absolutely right. And Ming and I talked about it in that trial <laughs> episode a little bit that we that um, this is it seems to be the only place podcasting seems to be the only place where people are where you can hear people talk in long form discussion you know Rogan has guys on for 3 hours sometimes yeah. right and and I would love to do that by the way um, cuz I feel like we could sit here for for 5 hours like we normally do and, yeah, and never exactly. run out of things to say but need to get you know the uh, the uh, <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is that you're right they talk for a long time and you'll hear these guys that have differing opinions uh, come from completely different places, and they talk in a civil manner, respectful. At the end, they may disagree with each other still, but they're like, "Hey, that I enjoyed that. Thank you very much for being here." And, right, and that is important. It's hugely important. And when it's you, everything, yeah, if everybody was coming at it from that kind of perspective, but I'm guilty of it too. I'm I'm guilty of throwing out the 
you know, the internet memes now and again, and I'm trying very hard not to do that anymore, and I think I'm doing much better. Uh, I think we're all kind of adjusting how our online personalities are. As we, but, yeah, instead of that, there should be more of, of sitting down and talking. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it, that's how you exchange ideas. That's yeah. how that's the that's the motive force of the of humanity is conversation. Yeah. That's why I'm that's why I'm very uh, that's we're both sort of upset about the uh, the spate of of deplatforming. I hate that uh, word. Yeah, it's a horrible word. That uh, makes me want to kick the shit out of somebody. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think about think about a person. Yeah. Who. Who came up with that word? Think yeah. about a person that has that as their objective. Yeah, that's tyranny embodied. No, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going for. That right makes there. my blood boil, man. It, it does. It, yeah, absolutely. And so rounding about, out that how point, how platform you? Yeah, and so we don't want that. And so I think that what we just said is is basically that we want this this civil and rational discourse because it's the way forward. It's the only way, and that bad. Players or you know bad speech is should be countered with better speech, right? Absolutely. And I think that's uh, uh, something that I've heard uh, said several times. I think, it, yeah, it might have been Peterson that said that. But uh, basically, you know, bad speech countered with better speech. But that all those players should be in the civic arena, and that the best ideas will come forward. And I think that that's true. Thank God for podcasting, so, because yeah, otherwise it would not have a prayer of getting to the light of day. Yeah, I think right now this is it. So, and so the the people that I've been listening to and you've been listening to are they come from varying backgrounds, they come from varying um, political positions, uh, religions. Um, it, it doesn't matter. All all those uh, uh, heuristics that don't that aren't anything about a person, which is one of the an, another thing that I've. I kind of really believe, not kind of, I absolutely believe that we're not who we are on the outside. We're not even a religion. I love this when you it, go down this road. We're, we're, we're a complex set of ideals and experiences that make us who we are. And some of that is uh, genes and some of it is memes. And that's how we got to the space. And so, uh, you know, short of psychopathy, it's... It, Everybody has their own experience and way of viewing things. We have to acknowledge that. And uh, if it's something that's not, as a matter of fact, if it's something that is not of the popular view, doesn't fit that popular mold, all the more reason for it to be out there, right? So, yeah, it's like, okay, I think this person's probably got bad ideas. Uh, I would probably engage with that person up until a point if it, you know, if those bad ideas, you know, and then I might say, okay, we're off the rails and walk away. But I certainly wouldn't want that person to not have the the, uh, ability to say what they're thinking. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Bart, man, I'm going to quote you here. All right. There are no monoliths, right? I say that all the time. Here, there are no monoliths, but out there, where the discourse is not civil, it's all monoliths, yeah. man. You build the you build the monolith, and then you hide behind it. Yep. You put the idea out that's the cookie cutter that you want people yeah. to see, and want people to hear, and you want people to think, and that's it. Yeah. There's no truth beyond the monolith. That's right. Well, we don't have monoliths here, man. There are no monoliths, and I love that. That's that's great. Yeah, that might be my, my current mantra. Yeah, <laughs> is there are no monoliths. Yeah, so well, that's a good mantra. Yeah, I hope so. So going forward, uh, my thoughts are with this is that, um, and uh, and I don't. How long have we been? Uh, it's twelve oh five. Okay, so we're we're coming up on our time. Uh, we'll try and make it uh, 
I think we'll probably have to schedule longer uh, periods uh, in the future. I, I knew that that would be the case, actually. <laughs> Although I was fearful at first that we might not even you know, we might stumble because we're we're nervous. But uh, obviously, we're right back to where we always are. So <laughs> you that's knew this fine. Was, I mean, now, you yeah. can't shut me up, Armin. Yeah, well, I can't uh, shut you up either. That's right. I was going to say vice versa. <laughs> I, okay, so going forward, I, what what I envision, and I think you do too, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we are going to try and uh, reach out to people that we think have something to teach us, uh, yeah. whether it is something small and, uh, uh, and and more along the hobby lines or something that's a, uh, an incredible topic that is complex and you know hard for us to understand. And so someone that's else has to – My favorite part about yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. I, mean, I, I want to do a show on building a Dakota. You know why? Because no one knows how. Yeah. And it isn't rocket science, yeah. man. But let's talk about it here. Yeah. Let's do everything. Yes, and then, absolutely. And then let's bring in, I don't know, Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Willard yep. Harley? Uh, you know we got to get him. Dr. Peterson, if you're out there, you are cordially invited to the <laughs> writing room. I'm sure that you have uh, all kinds of time in your schedule to a lot for us. So it'd be wonderful to talk to you. Uh, but no, you're but absolutely right. the magnitude right. that we're talking about. If nothing though. else, that the, these are the people that have inspired us to, to, to kind of be here, part of that conversation. Um, uh, but we come at it with our own unique perspective, and that is as former uh, me, a former Marine, you still currently serving uh, combat tours, uh, attack helicopter pilots, which gives us a, a unique perspective, um, uh, and I think a good one, actually. Uh, I think so, too. And I think our and, – and just knowing who you are um, – and I, I think kind of self-examining, I, I think that you and I have a lot to offer in terms of conversation. Uh, in terms of who we're interviewing, I, sometimes I imagine it will be one or the other of us if time doesn't allow that. So, But uh, I, I would like us to both be here for our guests, uh, if at all possible, yeah. uh, at any time. So hopefully we can make that work. So, Well, the goal... The last line in our mission statement is to build lasting friendships. So God, yeah. we'll just keep working on ours, which is pretty damn solid. But yeah. I think uh, you're an asshole, Chunks. Oh, thanks, partner. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I really think, but we're yeah. on camera, so yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, you're right. Build lasting friendships, and and I can't. You're right. We didn't get to that. I'm glad you brought that up. That was just a perfect ending because. The whole thing is we're going through this life. We're talking about all of these important things and what brings us here to this table. And and then we started kind of getting into happiness a little bit. The bottom line is the more people you have that know you, respect you, love you in your in your life. The longer it is. The, the longer it is. And there's science behind that. Yeah. So, uh, well, yes, and I this goes that. to that end because I uh, let's end with the marine analogy then, right? Yeah, Where go for it. You get marines that come from – I mean, every walk of life. You know there's an inner city guy, a farm guy, you, you name it. They're from everywhere. And they show up and what do they have? A single-minded purpose of being a Marine that brings them together. And so all those other differences that we love to highlight and turn into monoliths every day, they go away. And you get down to the heart of the matter of – or should I say the heart of the person and you see that person as a person. And for what they bring to the table. And those are the friendships that last. They're timeless, man. There's nothing that could touch them. So when we come to this table and we bring the civil discourse here and a, and a true desire to challenge our own beliefs and a respect even for a person who has a disparate opinion from ours, how great is that, man? What, what kind of bond is that? It never goes away. Well, I will 
I will say that I think that it's just the perfect way to end this. Uh, thanks. Should we drop this mic? I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Chunks, thank you so much for being here. I, I can't wait for our next uh, our next time out. But uh, yeah, I'm proud of you, Bart, and I've been proud of you, and I'm even more proud of you now. Because uh, just what an honor for me to be sitting here with you. Thanks Likewise, so much, brother. brother. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us here today. We hope you enjoyed our conversation, and we look forward to bringing you more conversations in the near future with intriguing and inspirational folks from all walks of life. If you did like it and you want to join us again, please subscribe and rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast on. You can find us online at readyroombrief.com. I'm your host, Richard Frederick, and we look forward to seeing you next time in the Ready Room.